welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Practitioner Radio, episode 14, over that twisted decrophobia, Pink Elephants podcast for the practitioner community, or as we like to call it, the fastest 30 minutes in ITSM audio. Hey, it's Chris Dancy, and I'm here with probably the most brilliant mind on the planet today. <laughs> Troy, do you want to... How are you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this trichodescophobia thing is, though. That, man, that's kind of bizarre. Oh, that's the, I think that's the fear of the number 13. Well, I'm glad we're over that then. Yeah, well, we got through it. And plus, you know, we learned so much on portfolio management. What if we have 13 projects? Oh, there you go. So listen, after portfolio management, you, you said we should start to think about dealing with suppliers. And uh, I've seen some uh, tweets and, and some great blog posts. And of course, you've always got the LinkedIn crowd talking about supplier management and, and how crucial it is. But if there's one thing I've learned from 14 episodes of Practitioner Radio is this is nothing new. No. And we've been hopefully dealing with this for a long time. But all of a sudden, I guess there's a race. You know, it's like you and I have talked about this before, like regardless if we're talking about cloud services or a managed service provider or major outsourcer, every single organization today is dealing with a mixed supplier model. So we're doing it. It's a matter of are we doing it well and how is that relationship going for you anyway? Right. And that phrase, mixed supplier model, I find myself using it in my day-to-day life when not even talking about service management. So it's really interesting. You know, on a side note, the other day I was thinking, I wish I had something personally to, to, to manage and govern all the SLAs I have with all the cloud services I consume as a consumer. You can get a property manager to take care of it for you. Yeah, that's probably what I need. All right, Troy, supplier management. You've got three great articles I'm going to put in the show notes. One about a uh, hockey team and then uh, another one called Brother from Another Mother. Let's start with this concept of brother from another mother and not sharing DNA when it comes to uh, your IT outsourcer. I think if you would educate me a little bit about some of the things you're seeing in the field is when it comes to IT outsourcing. Because uh, for me, as someone who started a business late in this decade, I've always outsourced. I, I didn't know that people did everything internally. Yeah, well, the problem is is we always start this relationship off on the wrong foot, right? I think, actually, to go back to even a rudimentary challenge, I don't even like the word outsource. Mm. Because it's actually a fallacy. It starts the whole conversation in the wrong tone. Mm. Because what I'm not doing is... I'm giving you something to take away outside of my value chain. What I'm really choosing to do is choose a set of suppliers, whether they're more transactional or they're strategic partners, and I'm bringing them inside my virtual supply chain wall, and I'm saying, I'm trusting you to take care of this part of my value delivery outcome mechanism, right? So I'm actually bringing them in. I'm adopting them into my family, but... The word outsourcer is almost like arm's length. I'm, you're out there. Speak to the hand, right? Right. You're outside of the wall. You're not part of the family. In fact, I distrust and I don't like you. So let's start that relationship off, this adopted relationship with me saying, I'm watching you and see how that goes. Interesting. I never really thought about it that way. Instantly, I started thinking about uh, my dream job, the business relationship manager that we've talked about for the last three shows. Who in the IT value chain uh, or the IT department, sorry, I just love that term, is actually looking and analyzing when it makes sense to possibly create a new adopted relationship uh, with external services? 
Well, that would be part of strategy because mm. when we find out what our service portfolio strategy, that's what we had talked about last episode, right? Yep. Then the next question I'm going to ask logically in a strategy discussion is, okay, who's going to do that part of the work? Do I have the capabilities in-house? Is it best that I go outside for that piece of my value chain? And I make a decision around sourcing strategy, whether I'm using an internal or external or various combinations of both. That's a strategy conversation that someone has to then take and execute on it. And that's where we get into supplier management, which is the next discussion. But that decision on sourcing strategy is a strategy generation discussion around the service portfolio. And when it comes to that strategy discussion, I would think that there might be some cultural issues around uh, not even considering other other options uh, for sourcing this work. Is there any guidance around, gosh, I hate to even ask the question now, around the cultural issues of do we look outside, or sorry, try not to use the outside. You've got me convinced now that's, that's not a, a uh, but those external services? In fact, um, let's give you a new word. Use the word outtasking. I'm choosing to outtask. Thank you. Not outsource. Thank you. So I'm, I'm just giving you some tasks to do inside my value chain. You know what? It's all about the balance scorecard. We talk about the balance scorecard and we say we've got a balance financial with uh, maturity of operations, with customer satisfaction, and also innovation. But we often make decisions on just the finance side, right? Right. So we often look at outsourcing from the point of view of you know, what's the cheapest way to do it and that's the problem because usually when you end up paying the cheapest way to go, you get you know the expected results. In fact, I want to come back to that when we talk about the difference between procurement and supplier management. Very different, each with their important role, but very different roles. No, no, no I, I hear you. Um, so when you're dealing with this strategy uh, task of looking at outtasking, I love that. I've got new, my new Troy term of the day. Is it difficult to find someone who's up on alternative vendors who can help? Because I, I wouldn't think that w I would have time in the IT organization to constantly be researching those types of relationships. Or is it at the time when you have that discussion during the strategy sessions that you start to look at those vendors? I mean, who's watching, I don't want to say the bleeding edge, but who's watching for some way, these other alternatives when it comes to tasking? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I think you, you have ongoing relationships that you rely on, but you're always keeping an eye on, you know, new alternatives. And this is where the cloud service concept comes in. And now, you know, we have now new options to consider that we should put on the table. And who does that? Sometimes it's service owners who are identifying new t new technologies and new capabilities. Sometimes it's a supplier management group, and I, there is such a thing uh, that actually is trying to keep abreast and going to that supplier management conference, you know. And so there are a number of ways we keep informed. Okay, now I think I have a second job that I want. Besides business relationship manager, I want to be in the supplier management group. Well, it could be the same. <gasps> actually, probably not. They have they have their own responsibilities. Okay. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned uh, the dreaded C word. I was waiting to see how long we could make it without saying the C word. But but cloud. You know, in the past, because I'm you know basically Debbie Debbie Downer, the only thing I ever considered outtasking were services that were human related. So part pizza and parcels of our service desk and and service our help desk. It seems now we talk more about. Uh, outtasking some of our infrastructure For, from a strategy standpoint, is there something that that I'm missing here, or did, or or have we had options to actually out outtask hardware in the past? Well, actually, let's take a look at levels again. Okay. Back to the onion discussion. Yours is the only onion that doesn't make me cry. <laughs> we can outsource the the purchase of widgets, so we can have a preferred supplier of 
certain type of technology, right? Right. That's a real transactional type of, of supplier. Uh, we can then outsource a, a component of our environment. Maybe we are leasing lines for our wide area network from a telco. No one has those themselves any longer. We talked about that one time as well. Yep. So that's technology domain type outsourcing. Okay. We could outsource hosting, for example, to another provider. Even before cloud became the word, we were often putting our assets in a co-located host environment, especially if it's a DR capability. Yep. So we can we can go to outsource an IT service like back office hosting service. Uh, we can outsource now software as a service. Now we have this concept of I will actually outsource hosted exchange as a full service. And Pink Elephant embarked on that maybe a year ago now. And now Microsoft is our service provider for email. And then you can outsource entire business processes. For example, we use ADP for payroll. So we've actually outsourced not just the the technology and the capability in the software, but we actually now hire a third party to manage our payroll. But you can then outsource whole departments. So I can say, I'm going to take my HR department and its complete packages of automation and outsource that as well. So you can literally have this conversation of sourcing right up all of these levels. And that's part of the sourcing strategy is it's not just one size. I'm going to mix my supplier environment with all different types. And then sometimes I'll have a strategic supplier that takes over my entire operations uh, or application development lifecycle capability, right? Now I'm into strategic providers. So that sourcing strategy is more complex than who am I going to buy my hardware from? It's got to be at all these levels at the same time. Yeah. So I don't say this often, but yeah, that blew my mind. But isn't it true? No, no, no. That's why it blew my mind because I didn't realize I had to go back and go, yeah, you're right. We did do all those things. And the second thing was I had to think to myself, this sourcing strategy is the biggest deal I think I've ever actually come to comprehend on practitioner radio. Because, you know, oftentimes people, at least in the blogosphere, it's all about the business and how do we get in touch with the business and align with the business, you know, as if it's some magical transformation we have to go through uh, during a ritual. But the reality is sourcing really is, regardless of what your business produces, is a key component of the business and who's really owning that in all these different areas because out of all the areas you mentioned IT were only you know a fraction of the examples you just gave me maybe just up to e-sourcing the you know the whole software as a service now I'm sourcing a CRM capability for the sales department right right because you know supplier management IT supplier management should integrate with business supplier management just like IT service continuity should be integrated to business continuity this is simply a micro of a macro and the problem is that who's owning it is the question because yeah. today it's fragmented in every group and every domain and technology. Oper- they all do it in their own way according to their best view of what should be done with no integrated strategy. And uh, you would wonder why we have a mess and very difficult relationships you know, with our current suppliers. I always say the radical crazy things, but I almost have a feeling that you'd be better off investing your money in a good supplier management strategy in 2011 than trying to update your incident. But that's me. <laughs> well, it's certainly critical. And it's like, what do I start first, right? Let's not say we're going to outsource everything. That's not the supplier strategy outcome. It's simply we make decisions based on the best possible approach. That's why I like ITIL's service asset definition. It's part resource, you know, that's the thing I'm buying or the skill I'm, I'm, I'm buying from this person. But it's also the capability side where I get into what's your organizational history, what's your skills-based knowledge you're bringing into this. So I'm looking at both capability as well as resource to make supply decisions, not just what's the cheapest thing I can buy. You know, there isn't a business out there that shouldn't have 
a Troy full-time on staff. Um, all right. <laughs> but you, you touched on a little bit procurement, uh, this idea of procurement versus and when we were talking about supplier management. I know from a inside the enterprise standpoint, procurement to me was nothing more than, hey, I need this. Can you guys get it for me? And it can be a bit more, but not a lot more. And let's not decry procurement. There's a goal and a role for procurement. Okay. But it certainly isn't supplier management. Right. Depends on who you ask, and some people may debate this. But in my view, the entire role for procurement is to procure things for you at the cheapest possible price. And so their entire reason for living is to actually show that they've actually reduced cost. And when they brought this supplier on, they were able to, you know, bring them right down to the bloody, right. <laughs> bloody situation where they're barely profitable, and and they and they got their, you know, they got their gold star. They they achieved their goal. But the problem with that is, what happens when you fill your home with the lowest possible price goods? Right? What's the outcome of that? Let alone, what does it do for the relationship that you've just started off that you're hoping to be a strategic partner in your supply chain. Right, because you said we bring them into the chain. It's not like they're an outside entity. They're actually, you know, use the term adopt. I often think of maybe foster parent versus adopt. I want to go back to this idea of procurement that you just mentioned because you said you know, the idea is to get it at the best possible price for the business. If I go back in my, you know, little Chris history, one of the first jobs when I was working at WebMD was we had a purchasing department, and their job, I mean, they weren't part of IT. I mean, they used IT functions. But their job was to do just that, was to get stuff for the business that we needed at the best possible price. Cheap. Yes, I, I, I didn't want to use the C word, but not the cloud C, the cheap C. So, yeah, I think purchase, or procurement now makes a lot more sense, and I think about my past with purchasing people. Yeah, so let me play a scenario for you. Yeah, please. We want to go out and get a new tool. We want to bring in a consultant. We want to buy some training courses. We have to, of course, go through this all the time. And so they put it out a bid, and they and they solicit a number of different responses. And then they say, okay, let's shortlist. And now the procurement gets involved. And they basically, at the end of the conversation, have a, have a chosen provider. I'm not saying this happens every single time, but it happens often. And literally, they have left this provider to gain the business almost at a point of non-profitability. There's mm-hmm. blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, mm-hmm. this this relationship is tenuous at best. But hey, I'm feeling good as a provider. I want it, and I, I get to go and provide my service. But now, because I have you know basically given up such a razor-thin razor profitability or margin here, I cover my posterior with all the terms and conditions I can possibly manage. Because to do anything else will put me in a non-profitable situation. Right. So how did that relationship just start for this you know, person you've brought into your family and adopted into your value chain? It's not a very positive scenario right now. No, I said you can, you, you, you can be a part of my family, but you will eat the smallest portions of everything. And even though my kids eat you know, full plates of food. You know. and, you, and you sleep out on the porch. Yeah, okay? it's ugly. Because you're not part of the family. You're, uh, you're an outsider. Mm. right? So we start that relationship bad. No wonder most outsourcing managed service provider relationships go in cycles of, you know, it doesn't go well. <laughs> I start my relationship with an abusive situation. Now, I know I'm the, I'm provider here, but let's say there was a win-win, right? Right. And let's say that lowest possible price wasn't the goal, and it sometimes is not for many more enlightened organization. But a supplier manager will use procurement, but at the right level at the right time. Because there's still procurement is still involved in the contractual and the relationship, excuse me, the contractual acquisition of that supply. But supplier management will start way back in the earlier stage of this life cycle and say, okay, strategy. What did we intend for this outcome to be? 
What's the best sourcing? Okay, let's go and we'll solicit responses from these providers over here. Now, we just don't want price, but we want to make sure they're a good relationship going on. So we're going to ask them to involve themselves in continual service improvement activities. Mm. We're going to involve them in our processes. So now they're second level support for this part of our service model that we've outtasked. I've seen that. Uh, now we put their services in the catalog because they're our chosen provider for that part of it. Now we have uh, agreements with them that will enable us to meet business outcomes underpinning contracts. Now we've involved them in IT service continuity because they're part of our disaster recovery strategy. Now we have uh, involved them in a relationship with the CRM role because now they're the service owner for potentially a, a major part of my value chain. So literally I've not just hired them to do a task, I've integrated them to all the family systems. Plus I think it, when you were describing that, you've almost made them conscious of the importance of your viability as a business, <laughs> you know, at, at that level of integration, I mean, they, I would hope they would have your, the business's best interest at heart. Well, yes, because we've built the relationship based on expectation management. Here's what we expect from you. Here's where you're going to play a major and strategic part. If you're a strategic partner, not just a transactional uh, widget, you know, supplier. Yep. Uh, and when we involve the organization and continual service improvement, you'll be ready and willing to do that because it's part of our agreement. You're not just going to throw up the you know terms and conditions and say, yeah, we could do that, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. They're involved as they're an adopted family member. Yeah, they're a, they're a brother of another mother. <laughs> and and they and they really need to be. I mean, our from a cultural standpoint, I would think some of the situations I've been in in the past, those suppliers actually are treated like less than. Oh, they're like, yeah, you know, I've been in organizations where, well, you know, that's the contractor. You don't need to be nice to him. Just do this. Exactly. That's the speak to the hand. You're outside the family walls. You sleep on the porch. Mm. Right. So what benefit does that give to the organization that has chosen that supplier? Right? Cause they start that relationship with such a negative environment. And what will the supplier do in turn when asked to come to bat to, you know, improve anything? Right. I mean, any relationship started with that level of negativity is bound to deteriorate into divorce. Yeah, you mentioned expectation management, and I was thinking, uh, can can you just help me with that in real life outside of the podcast? <laughs> well, think, think about this. You know, the the kind of relationships we get into with our suppliers are like Hollywood prenups. <laughs> they completely are. Make that a blog post. No one wants to. No one expects them to last more than six months. Right. So th this idea of you know when you're looking at outtasking processes. Do you need to make sure those processes are like in a good shape and you understand them and you've defined them? Or does that even make a difference? So, yeah, it's actually, we've already established that we're inviting them into our walls. That yeah. means they're part of our processes. We're not just saying, okay, you guys come in and say you're, going, you're doing ITIL and that's good enough. Literally, I had a call with someone just a week ago and said, we're not convinced on this ITIL thing. We don't think it's worth, you know, the money to print the books because we put in our contracts when we bring our suppliers in, you will be ITIL compliant. And we hire them at extraordinary fees, and we don't see the benefit. Right. I'm going, what? <laughs> what, did you, what did you just say? You expected to put a clause in a contract that you will be ITIL compliant to be something of value? So what if they have processes that are ITIL-based? It doesn't mean they're going to link with your processes and the other supplier they're working with in your organization. All you have is these fragmented environments where everyone is warring against each other with protectionism. Mm -hmm. Just by putting, I'm going. You must be ITIL compliant in a project, or excuse me, in a, in a in a contract guarantees nothing. What you can do 
is you can, if you're missing process, a lot of these suppliers have good process, templates, etc. You can bring them to the table. One of the things they're actually enabling with you, enabling for you is they're bringing good practice, but you have to take the ownership of the governance of that process. They can bring you process, but then that process has to be deployed across all groups, not just the supplier, because I need one common practice for support, not six based on my supplier towers. Yep. In fact, I'm sorry, I have all these scenarios. We had a, I had a uh, U.S. government agency recently come to us, and they had a strategy. They wanted to outsource these major service towers. So one service tower is going to be end-user services, another one is going to be web services, another one is going to be data center services, another one is going to be network services. So they chose best-of-breed suppliers for each service tower because they didn't want to give the whole thing to any one. But then they said, each of you must have ITIL-based processes in each of these service towers and you must agree to work together in a nice and collaborative way. So problem with that is these processes span all those towers, or should. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I think of when I hear you say that is just because 10 people have Spanish as a second language doesn't mean you can make a burrito. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> uh, it's a world of hurt anyway, and it's, it's, it gives you indigestion. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, because this, this fragmentation problem you're talking about is, is I would think be prolific because once you let's say you and I we start off we we source our, our first outtasker we start off on the right foot because trust me I, everything I'm going to do from this podcast forward I'm going to start these relationships on the right foot with these outtaskers um, and then once we get a couple of them together and we want to actually start to make our internal processes more aligned with different different with these like these other vendors. I mean, that in itself is, I would think, would start to really test an organization's internal processes of, did you have it right in the first place? Yes. In fact, um, actually, one of the case studies in my article that I wrote, I spoke to somebody from an oil industry at our conference, and literally they had created the service catalog with all the services and all the attributes they expected for the service. And then they used the service catalog as part of their bid process. Nice. We, we need each of you suppliers, not to tell us how you do database administration, how you're going to supply this service in my predefined service catalog. So all of them were showing apples to apples comparison, which included integration in the management systems and processes of this organization, which, by the way, you would think that most suppliers would want to do, but they don't. No. They typically don't want to do that. They want to sell as much as they can, as fast as they can with as little services. On. Right. It costs more to basically integrate into someone else's management system. Yeah. To, to bring you inside the family and truly let you in, it's going to cost us both a lot of time and effort. Exactly. They're going to say, well, we have our ticketing tool and we have our incident management process. We're going to build a bridge between your incident process get that, your incident process, and our back office support ticketing system, and we'll manage this bridge relationship. Well, what should be happening, because they're out-tasking, not outsourcing, is that you're bringing that group into your management system, they're in your process, and they're in your tool as an adopted family member, right? But they themselves recognize that because of, you know, you know, the ability to, to reduce costs, they'd like to, to use their one process and their one tool for many customers, right? Yeah. But that's not in the best interest of a practitioner. So when you're looking at this uh, supplier management and having these strategic discussions, actually focusing on not having bridges and actually having true integration, especially when it comes to procuring these services and the procurers only care about the cheapest, 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 that might not always be the best person to really start these relationships or define how they're going to look. Well, you need a balance. I mean, the balance 
balance scorecard, you need cost as a factor. Yeah, but you know, Troy, you know I don't do balance. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Troy. The problem is when we don't balance, we end up with unbalanced lives and unbalanced relationships. Okay, well, that makes sense. Right, so you need both. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just so much to think about because, again, and now I'm, I'm wanting to start all these things off on the right foot and, and really integrate, like you said, but then I start to think about, well, gosh, that's going to increase, I would assume... I mean, you've probably done this in real life. That's going to increase the amount of that I'm paying for these services to, to have that company really be partner with us. And I then have to justify that to someone who's only looking at something that's half the price or double the price. And they might not have the same education that you've shared with me and the others have about the importance of bridges versus true integration, sleeping on the porch versus having a mattress. And, and who's going to equip me to have that a conversation with my executive board? Yeah, the, the key thing here is to realize, again, that not all suppliers are equal in your strategic sourcing strategy, right? Right. There's some that are so integrated, they're so critical that you need to go through all of this due diligence and integration. But then you have commodity transactional type suppliers. You don't do the same thing with them. Okay. You have, uh, you have a qualification scheme that says, this is the level of requirement we have for this type of supplier. Okay, that, that scheme is what I was missing in this whole conversation. Right. All right. And supplier management would categorize your suppliers in this scheme and have requirements for each level. In fact, just to kind of give you a, a brief synopsis, strategy focuses the generation of what you know, should happen. Supplier will work with service owners and, and source and work with procurement to procure and then they will work with the supplier to transition because you might have another supplier you're replacing. So the seamless transition into now the sourcing relationship and then work with the account manager on the supplier side on a regular basis as a business-oriented account manager or IT at least account manager and be the liaison between the supplier and the service owner in that three-way relationship like a service level manager. Right. So you've got the same thing of a BRM going on that you have with the business customer the supplier manager is looking towards the supplier and the service owner. It's a three-way relationship again. Um, since I only come from a world where I've only really played with or dabbled in and spoke to educated people when it comes to ITIL and and uh, a little bit of COVID, um, these BRM folks that, you're, that we sometimes talk about, where do they where do they get all their skills? Well, often they, they don't have the history and the... There we go. You know, <laughs> I like... I think George would answer this question. You often give it to the people who've been around the longest, and sometimes yeah. the people who have been around the longest are the crankiest. Yes. <laughs> and, so, and so they've got access to grind, and so their relationship skills for both supplier or business relationship sometimes are in question. All right, I think, I, I think okay, two things. We, we need to get George on the show. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I'm just, now I'm thinking that it's, it's time to bring George in. And, and two, not to be cranky, but... We have a we have a problem, Troy. Time again, isn't it? It's time for Troy's Thunder Roll Tip of the Day. Okay, remember the role of supplier management. Supplier manager is to establish and manage relationships with trusted suppliers in a way that contributes to your customers' best interests and is positive to your service goals. Right, not to get the cheapest price. Nope, and and that I took away without even knowing the thunderbolt, and that's that's why I always look forward to them. Troy, amazing! I, again, what are you going to do if I ever get so educated that I end up being? Well, I will never be as wise as you. Okay, everyone, we will see you. <laughs> I will never be as smart as Troy. We will see everybody in two weeks. And this has been Chris with Troy Dumoulin, and this is Practitioner Radio, the fastest thirty minutes in ITSM audio. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs>